Praise be Jesus Christ. Now and forever. Hi, everyone. This is Father Connolly. And I'm Alexandra Sullivan. And you're listening to Raising Saints, Helping Kids Hear God's Voice. We're going to take your kids' questions on God, the faith, and the church and see if we can answer them. So that all of us, all together, can grow in our faith. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, we know you gave your life and for, 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 for us because how much you love us. We thank you so much for your love. We ask you to help us to offer ourselves back to you every day, to make ourselves sacrifices pleasing to you. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hi, Father Connolly. Hi, Alexandra. We're here with our third episode. All right. The <laughs> Trinity. There we go. <laughs> we have some deep, deep questions for you today. So we're going to start off with one from a girl named Lily. So let's see what you can do with this. Hello, my name is Lily. And my question is, why did Jesus get killed on the cross? Wow. So what are you going to do with that one? Well, Lily, that's a, that's a really profound question. Thanks for asking it. You know, um, we know that Jesus died on the cross, uh, that Jesus, God made man, the second person of the most holy Trinity, uh, was incarnate, was born, lived with us, grew up with us, taught us, worked miracles for us, and ultimately he sacrificed his life on the cross for us. And that's really at the heart of it, that word sacrifice, you know, to offer uh, something, to offer, in this case, himself. Um, that was a see, plan all along, right? That's right. Because you see with the fall, right, with the, the, the sin of Adam and Eve, humanity was then sort of put into this disordered, this hurt relationship with God, that we no longer loved him the way we were created to. We no longer uh, were able to love God the way we want to because of our sinful condition, because of that original sin that uh, now we all inherit, but which, thanks be to God, is is cleansed at, at baptism. And, and, uh, and even today we still sin, but we thank God for the opportunity to reconcile with him um, an opportunity really given to us because of this sacrifice that Jesus made. Um, seeing that we had been put into this wrong relationship with God, where we were turning away from God, God, in the person of Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, he said, I'm going to come and get you. I'm going to bring you back to me myself. If you're going to turn away from me, I'm going to just get as close to you as I possibly can. And that's why he was incarnate. That's right. why he, he became man. He became one of us to love us so intimately, you know, to be one of us, to be amongst us and really to love us. That's, that's why he became man. Um, Doesn't that also help us understand God a little bit? too, because he's now been man. It does. And it allows us in a way to, to see the face of God. Yeah. yeah. Um, the God whom we'd turned away from now comes around the other side to, to face us. 
yet again. And, to, and that face is one of love. It's one of mercy. It's one of kindness. Um, that loving God, as we said, made a sacrifice for us because we could never pay God back for all the wrong we'd done in our sins. Only God himself could. So he did. And he offered himself, you know, it's just like uh, the ancient Jewish practice that we find in the Old Testament um, when the community would gather together and they would have, you might have heard the term scapegoat. They would have mm -hmm. a scapegoat, literally a goat, an animal um, on whom they would symbolically place all of their sins. They would, everything that they've done, they would put it onto this animal, right? They, of course, not literally. It wasn't, right. it wasn't that particular goat who had, uh, you know, stolen from the, the local butcher or, you know, mm -hmm. but they would symbolically place all of their sins on this, uh, on this sacrificial animal, this scapegoat and send him off. Um, and that was to represent their sins being offered uh, in, in sacrifice, that um, in reparation for their sins, to make up for their sins, that, to drive them away from themselves. Mm -hmm. um, now Jesus has done that for real. Right. So that's who Jesus became on the cross. He, he became that perfect scapegoat that even though it wasn't his sin, he didn't sin, he's God. Nonetheless, he took our sins on himself like that scapegoat and offered himself as a sacrifice to pay that price, to make mm -hmm. up for what we could never do. Um, so that's why Jesus had to die on the cross. Um, just a word on, on that, you know, did he have to die on the cross? Because this is an interesting question. Mm -hmm. Couldn't God have saved us in another way? Well, he probably could have done anything he wanted, right? Absolutely. Yeah. If he wanted to just snap his fingers or or uh, blink his eyes and, and wipe it all away, he could do that. He's God. Mm -hmm. He right. can do anything he wants. The great St. Thomas Aquinas, one of the, the, the most beautiful minds in the history of our faith, um, he would say that, Sure, we can say that. Okay, God could have done anything. So in that sense, he didn't have to die on the cross to save us. Nonetheless, what St. Thomas would say is that he saw that it was fitting that he would save us in this way. It made sense. It was the right way to do it. So not it, that it would have made sense to the Jewish people at the time. Absolutely. Right. So it was fitting for the religious practices already. Mm -hmm. So in a way, it kind of was logical. Right. Right. Absolutely. And, and it made sense in the human context, right? It, that man who had said no to God originally and thus turned the whole race away from God, now it would be the perfect man, God made man, who would say yes to the Father. And show us how to perfectly say yes to God, how to perfectly follow his will, how to perfectly love him. Um, not that we can ever perfectly love God by ourselves. We always pray for, for his help. Um, and he gives it to us. And that's 
how he gave it to us then on the cross by by sacrificing himself on the cross, um, a perfect yes to God's plan. Could he have done it some other way? Well, sure, he's mm-hmm. God. But as St. Thomas says, it was fitting. It made sense. It was the right way for God to reconcile us to himself, to give absolutely everything, also so that we might know the extent of the love of God. Right, because they say one might die for someone who they loved, right? Yeah. But then to die for someone who was actually choosing the opposite of love, sinning, it's just a an amazing thing to understand yeah. that what Jesus did for us. Yeah, absolutely. It just what a testament to that perfect love of God that even though we'd said no to him over and over and over again, he said yes to this to this plan uh, because of his great love for us, which we couldn't really know if he had saved us in some other way. Not to put limits on God. He could reveal things to us however he wants. Uh, he could do whatever he sees as fitting, and this is what he saw as fitting, that he'd sacrifice himself uh, for love of us, to reunite us to God. So, Lily, I hope that helps. God making the ultimate, the perfect sacrifice for us to bring us back to him more perfectly. Great. Thank you, Father. And you guys, Father referenced St. Thomas Aquinas here, which is a great saint for kids because he is the patron saint of students. So if you are a student of religion and would like to know more, you might want to ask for St. Thomas to help you. And when you're doing all that homework that you love so much, right? <laughs> Don't your kids just love doing homework? They do. <laughs> they ask for more. <laughs> you can pray to St. Thomas Aquinas that he will help you get it done fast so you can get back to... Fortnite or whatever it is that you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) Anything else. All right. Thank you, Lily. Okay, Father Connolly, we have our second question. And I actually let you know that my daughter has a question for you. So this is going to be be good. So um, without further ado, here is Samantha's question. Hi, I'm Samantha Sullivan. I'm from Hopewell Junction, and I'm eight years old. My question is, why did Jesus pray to God in the garden to maybe not be crucified if he had to be crucified? I knew that was going to be good. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Samantha. Why did Jesus pray in the garden, the garden of Gethsemane, right? Not to be crucified if he knew he had to be. This is a great question, especially as we're just talking about um, why he had to die on the cross, right? Why Jesus made that sacrifice on the cross. And and you're absolutely right. He knew he had to. Yeah. Right? That was the plan. Yeah. So. And yet here he is um, in probably one of the most emotionally painful moments in anyone's life ever because he knows what he's about to endure. Um, and, and he makes this prayer, right? What Samantha is referring to everyone is when Jesus, he, he is in pra- he's in prayer and he says to God the Father, um, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Um, let this cup pass from me. This cup meaning you know, the, the sacrifice, right? The, the chalice, 
uh, so to speak, of the sacrifice that he was about to make. That if he could have something else, you know, yeah, uh, there was another way to do it. Right, right. right. Um, but look at what he says then afterwards. And this is in, uh, in Luke chapter 22, verse 42. But not my will, but yours be done. Isn't that beautiful? That he's terrified. He's so scared and, and, and anxious and upset about what's about to happen, but he puts it in the Father's hands. Um, so why did he make that prayer in the first place? Well, Samantha, you know, Jesus is fully God. but He's also fully human. That thanks to the incarnation, he, he didn't become like a human. He mm -hmm. really became 100% man. And what happens to us humans? We get scared. Right. And that, that's what happened to Jesus, too. He was very scared. He knew it was he was about to suffer. And just like any other human who is about to face a difficult situation, um, he was scared. Yeah. Right? Terrified, of, really. Yeah. Think yeah. of any number of experiences you've probably had um, when you're nervous about something, when you're, when you're anxious, you're uh, sort of scared to do it. That's what he was going through um, because of his humanity. But then he shows us his divinity as well, that he can so perfectly obey the plan of God the Father because of the perfect love that exists between them. And he can say, as we said, not my will, but yours be done. Great. Thank you, Father. I hope that answers your question, Samantha. If not, you'll have to just heckle him in class some more. <laughs> These are such wonderful questions, and they're so timely, too, because we're, we're very soon approaching the season of Lent. I don't know about you, but I feel like our Christmas tree just, just got went out to the just went out to the end of the driveway, and now yeah. here we are talking about Lent. My goodness! Yeah, and we are actually at home trying to prepare for Lent and trying to think of what we might do as a family, and um, and we have some basic ideas and trying to work through that. We were thinking of doing some um, acts of mercy mm. during Lent. So do you have any suggestions for our listeners of things they can do during Lent? Yeah, well, absolutely. I think it would be great um, to simply increase how much we pray together as a family. You know, I had a, a really great friend of mine who's another priest. Um, he suggested to his parish and will suggest to all of you listening here, maybe just take a decade of the rosary. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take long. It's one Our Father, ten yeah. Hail Marys. Sit your family down all together and pray a decade of the rosary each day. Okay. The profound impact of praying together as a family, it cannot be uh, overstated. It's just amazing what God can do in your lives, in your families, when you let him in in that way. And this is such a wonderful opportunity to do so. Um, another idea is as we take Fridays as days we uh, days of abstinence, right? We abstain mm -hmm. from eating meat. Maybe we might also want to try to throw that in on Wednesday as well. Okay. Or if there's another day during the week that 
that uh, that you'd like to try it. Um, again, not a terribly complicated thing. Sure. I'm sure the kids won't mind having mac and cheese, right, or pizza. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, but yeah. it it does remind us um, when we do these sorts of things that we rely not on the things of this earth, but on Christ. And we also unite ourselves to those who go without, those who are hungry. Um, when we deny ourselves these these little pleasures, maybe we don't have to have um, hamburgers on Wednesday night. We can we can sacrifice that mm-hmm. uh, and, and do something, albeit simple, but nonetheless profound. Right, and it keeps our mind focused on what's more important. You know, the hamburger that we really want, or our relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And I will say for our listeners who might have young children, praying the rosary seems like a daunting. Mm-hmm daunting task. Really, a decade takes five to seven minutes, maybe. And we... Three if you're Irish. (laughs) (laughs) Being generous. Um, It's a couple of little tips, because we do do the rosary on occasion at our house. And things that have helped us is to, first of all, don't get worried about how your children are praying. You really just want them to be participating. So if they need to jump around the room while they do their Hail Marys, then they jump around the room. Um, Also, you can use different tactics. Maybe you have a little one who doesn't know how to hold the rosary, but maybe you give them 10 items to count and put in a bowl. Um, One thing that we've used in our house successfully is a... um, a picture rosary. So as you go through the decade, there are pictures associated with that mystery of the rosary. So wandering minds can just focus on the picture. So there's a lot of... that myself. (laughs) Same here. (laughs) Believe me, I use it as well. So there's a lot of different tactics and it's not something that you should be intimidated by, but definitely something that's doable. And the more you do it, the better your kids will get at it. Mm -hmm. So give yourself some time to work out the kinks. Yeah. And you know, while while we're on that topic of parents of little ones, may I extend this message specifically to you from, from a priest to a parent of little ones. I know that it's nerve-wracking sometimes to be at Mass with your little guys. They're squirming around. They're making noise. You've got some cranky old folks turning around and staring at you. And please do not be discouraged. We love you so much, and we're so happy that you are at Mass. This season of Lent, let's have a, a renewed fervor for the Mass. Let's have a renewed dedication to Sunday Mass. I know how hard you try, and it doesn't go unnoticed. It's an effort that God is so pleased to see. And we, your priests, are just awestruck by your devotion, your dedication, your love of your family, because getting them to Mass is one of the greatest acts of love that you can do. It's one of the greatest things you can do for your children, to show them that this is our privileged encounter with Jesus Christ every week. Maybe you can't get to Mass daily Mass during the week. You know, your work, you you got to get kids to school and... This is your chance to get away from the world, to be with God, and to give Him praise and glory and honor and thanks. Please do not be discouraged. Uh, Our pastor here, Father Michael, he said one time so beautifully that the noises that he hears from the little guys 
in the congregation, they're sounds of life. They're right. sounds of life. It's the parish is alive. Our future is bright. Um, God is providing for the church, for his beloved children. So please do not be discouraged. Please come. And if you are discouraged, you know what? That's even something more to bring to prayer. Pray for the people who are who are making you feel, you know, um, feel bad about having your your noisy kids in church, and and uh, pray for them because they maybe they need to see the grace with which you handle that situation for a conversion of their hearts. And that sure. could be a really beautiful way in which God works in their lives. So bring it to prayer. And uh, we're just, we love seeing you in church. We love seeing you at Mass. Please don't be discouraged. Um, use this season of Lent as that, that great opportunity uh, to renew your family's dedication to your relationship with our Lord in the right. Mass especially. Yes, and as a parent of young ones, they're getting better now, but um, it's stressful. Yeah. And it's frustrating and you feel as if what am what am I even doing here? Is this having any effect? I can't concentrate. You know, this kid just wants to run around in the narthex. Just roll with it. Really, just roll with it because you're in the presence of Jesus, and whatever you're giving or doing is enough. Mm -hmm. So to just stay focused on the fact that Jesus wants you there, and you're there, and it doesn't really matter if the kid's building a fort with the the hymnals or <laughs> might be coloring. the best use for some of the hymnals that are out there anyway. <laughs> coloring on the pews. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just we've all been there and it is all okay. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of prayer, this Lent, uh, we want to leave you today, everyone, with um, a, an excellent PSA from uh, one Mr. Matthew Sullivan. You heard from Samantha. Now you're going to hear from, from her little brother, Alexandra's little guy. He has a, an excellent message for us about our Lord Jesus Christ and, and how we can pray to him. So we are going to leave you on that note. So God bless you, everyone. Hi, my name is Matthew, and I'm from New York. And they, they put Jesus in the mountains so when everybody comes to church and prays.